denizens of the heap to another exciting episode of the streaming heap where we talk about everything foundation right now in general we talk about sci-fi shows but right now foundation i am your host my name is lynn i have here with me my co-host eric mcgill the unapologetic geek himself i am feeling the heap yes that is me I don't know. Maybe we need to get, come up with. We, maybe we need to workshop the. <laughs> the no, terms. off the cuff bullshit is the best kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> the more terrible it is, the better it is. <laughs> I suppose it's better to say I'm feeling the heat than I'm feeling the stream. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have breaks for that. <laughs> We have a strong, consistent stream. <laughs> <laughs> what, what are you saying about off-the-cuff shit being better again? <laughs> I stand by it. <laughs> um, okay, so... Um, now that we know usually... our prostates are good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, come on now. Reel it back, reel it back. Um, uh so we usually talk about um, other stuff we've been watching and uh, before we get into the main topic of the episode. Uh, but we're going to change it up. I think we're going to put that at the back now. Um, so today, look forward to, at the end, uh, after we talk about Foundation, we're going to be shooting this shit about the very epic, quotation mark, <laughs> ending of Secret Invasion. And we're going to be talking about Barbie. I might have a little red ready for Barbie. And... If you don't know us, you might be thinking, oh, no, are they going to turn out to be one of those people who are like, Barbie is anti-men? No, no, that's not what's happening. I actually like Barbie a lot. I have promised not to pretend to be Ben Shapiro for this this episode. (laughs) (laughs) I I have a problem against the idiots that are calling it anti-men. You know, just pick up some basic media literacy internet who like to argue i'm begging you <laughs> <laughs> um but before that we're going to talk about episode three season two of foundation uh kings and commoners aptly named um eric vibe check what do you think i i love this episode this episode finally feels like the season has caught its footing and like things are starting to move in motion um there's still the the Gale and Salvor storyline still not quite doing it for me, but everything else was fantastic. And being introduced to both Bel Rios and Hober Mallow was very satisfying. I'm very happy with both their portrayals. So yes, I like it. Yes, I am definitely of the similar sentiment. I really like this episode. This is my favorite episode of Foundation in a long time. And that includes the last season. Um, we didn't like too many of the episodes towards the tail end there, especially. Um, so this was great. I pretty much have, like, like, other than funny nitpicks, I actually pretty much have no complaints about this. I know what's happening with Harry on Una's world is kind of bullshit, but it had giant crap, giant <laughs> space crap robots, Max. <laughs> it needed more of them. They were only in the episode for, like, a minute. <laughs> I know. Um... Okay, so, uh, oh, a little housekeeping, uh, as always. Uh, leave us a five-star reviews on platform of your choice. And for those of you who are new listeners, because we're getting a lot of new listeners, um, the number says, um, if you're finding us via Reddit or something and just listening to us on that little 
weird online app that I can <laughs> I can link to. Um, you can find us. Just search the streaming heap at platform podcast platform of your choice. Any we're on all of them. Um, so if you want to keep listening to us, you should subscribe because that really helps with discoverability as well as five star reviews. And if you want to reach us with theories, um, complaints, whatever. Uh, you can reach out, reach us on the streaming heap at outlook.com. That's the streaming heap at outlook.com. Okay, let's talk about the. Uh, well, before we talk about it, we have a special guest, uh, storyteller Lin, here to recap the episode. <laughs> is he being a scab? And is he is he is he coming back from the writer strike? Because it's still going. <laughs> oh, that's true. The writer strike is still going. Uh, yeah, though so he's being a little bit of a scab, I think. Even though he's he's a he's a scoundrel, he can't be trusted. Yeah. He's doing it for <laughs> us, so whatever. I'll accept it. <laughs> okay, on Harry and Gail's not so excellent adventure, Harry the knife essentially kidnaps them to take them to Una's world. By the way, we're going to call them Harry the knife and Harry the vault. Uh, so. Una's world, where the dead mathematicians are alive and the metal crabs are extra crabby. <laughs> On an interpersonal note, Selvo is resigned to her fate of dying in 150 years, but Gills <laughs> want to look for a way out. With the Empire, they free a tired, weary Bel Rios from prison and dangle his hot twig husband in front of him <laughs> to get him to help them. Day continues to be egotistical and a bit creepy with his mum robot. Ah! Uh, <laughs> oh, She's just Robot Mom from Futurama. It just clicked in my head. <laughs> That's where she's heading, yes. <laughs> and she also has three children. I wish there's an episode where she lined them all up, up and, and slaps them. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fantastic. <laughs> On the Foundation's arc, they hunt for Hova Mello, who turned out to be a cross between Han Solo and Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> We find him calling a space Nazi planet and almost get killed, but he escaped with Brother Polly and Constant and Becky. Um, the episode <laughs> then ends with Harry mysteriously made Flash on USA's Machina Plant. Oh, sorry, I mean Una's World. I assume the next episode is mostly going to be Gil tying the new Flash and Blood Harry to a chair and beating him up for all the dickish <laughs> things he's <you've> done. <laughs> It would be justified. Alia in the episode, she says she could slap him. Now she can. Wishes do come true. <laughs> See, that's the that's the secret, you know. Just put your positive energy out there, you know. Will it into being? I mean, in a lot of the in a lot of the way, Harry and Oprah has a lot in common. <laughs> Both can see the future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both have, both have spawned a cult, but also is responsible for a bunch of um, shady charlatans going around everywhere uh, and conning people in their name. That is accurate. <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with Gail and Selvo and Harry. Um as soon as I like, like we said um, yesterday, you weren't very excited about where they're going because we thought they're going to straight to Ignis, which we assume is the planet with the uh, the the tribe in the trailer, like you know the little cult. So we're like, uh, you're like, oh, I'm not very keen on that, and I, I was more keen on it because I want to, 
find out what the fuck are uh, these hilariously named metallics metallics are. Uh, <laughs> But when this episode began and I see that giant statue heads, I was like, yes, they own the crab world. Crab world. Crab world. <laughs> crab world. We're going to have a crab battle. Crab battle. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So what did you think about this part? It's my least favorite part of the episode, but I, but I don't want to make this come across like I hated it. I didn't. I really liked, I especially liked, the way they were able to develop the relationship between Salvor and Gale, especially like Gale and Harry were just arguing the whole time. Like that's, that's just what they do. But the interconnection between Salvor and Gale was, was really well done. They're, they're developing that relationship in a more organic way. And I kind of like that. Um, And I like that Salvor is just, she has no patience for any of the bullshit. I like that she she completely like Harry's trying to convince Gale to take the radiant inside with him and Gale's resisting because Gale doesn't want to be told what to do. And Salvor's just like, shut up and do it, Gale. We got to do it anyway. We know we got to do it. (laughs) And also like the characterization made complete sense. Totally. Um, Because Salvor was a loner and in charge. She was a loner with the position of authority, you know? Yeah, and she was always um, decisive. She was never indecisive. She always, like, yeah. she knew what she had to do, and she just did it. Yeah. And now, she has to deal with, now she has to deal with Gail and Harry, big personalities with big feelings, and unafraid of expressing those big feelings. <laughs> 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 Honestly, like, sometimes I feel like Silver is more of a mom than Gail is. <laughs> accurate, accurate, definitely. Um... <laughs> I think Salvor is the MVP of this particular storyline. I really like what they're doing with her. Not so much Gale and Harry, because I don't really feel like they're doing anything except going in circles. <laughs> I am excited about this random joke that Gale made about, like, that means she can't die until then, until 150 <laughs> oh, years <yeah>. later. <laughs> and they make her feel more than alive. And I want, I want crazy risk-taking uh, Selvor for, like, the next couple of episodes that I just, like, I can do whatever I want. I'm not going to die until 150 years later. <laughs> like, watch, I'll just jump off this building. Who cares? <laughs> um, uh, it's like, uh, the uh, what's his name? The guy who played Ken. Uh, oh, uh, Gosling? Ryan Gosling? Yeah, Ryan, Ryan Gosling's character in uh, the, uh, the Nice Guys. Have you seen it? Oh, yeah. In, yeah, okay, in the yeah. final firefight, he's he he become convinced that he's immortal. <laughs> They're like, "Did you get hit?" No, I think I might be immortal. <laughs> and the other guy only gets to say what, and he just runs out. Yeah, I want I want that with Gale. <laughs> like, I want a dramatic slow mo of Gil walking into a hail of bullet fire. <laughs> And just like smiling ear to ear because she knows she won't, she can't be hit. I don't know if how that's this method magic work, but I hope it is. (laughs) This isn't even really the math of magic. This is just Gail seeing the future, (laughs) like totally. Yeah, but I don't know. Everything that's happening with Gail, Harry, and the Unas, Wall Callies bullshit, they all met the magic to me. I have roped them all together. They're just the force. They're just magic. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, yes. <laughs> um, uh, okay, so you, you were complaining about Harry and Gail arguing the whole time. I really like that dynamic. I think it's really <laughs> fun and funny. 
<laughs> well, I mean, I definitely, I think Gail is the more whiny of the two, but I also agree with her a lot more because Harry's just full of shit. <laughs> just I don't constantly... think Gail is whiny at all. Like, I'm completely on the side of Gail. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I'm on her side. I agree with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's because I also, I have like a thing against um, uh, masculine authority figures who is like, oh, we have to do this because I told you so. And that's just right. Harry on like a galactic scale. <laughs> uh, and like him calling, trying to tell Gail to just let Cellphone die. I get it. But also at the same time, come on, man. Like, learn to talk to human beings. <laughs> You've only Not had like three suit. lifetimes. <laughs> the worst. I think... I also think um, this Harry is being portrayed slightly more callous. Uh, like, I feel like this Harry is a little bit different from the Harry from season one. And I like that because this Harry is different. It is a similar from that did go a it's little bit crazy being trapped on shit. himself for yeah, yeah. 50 years. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree completely. I mean, the, the Harry, the human Harry that we saw in the first season at least mm. felt human. He had some warmth to him. He was still a bastard, but yeah. he there was some there was more humanity there. And yes. I yeah, I agree with you. I think it's it's yeah. it's a it's a perfectly explainable character change. Yeah, uh, the previous Harry is a little bit more reserved. This Harry is um, this Harry is not even really bothering manipulating like in a soft scale charisma way anymore. He's just lying. <laughs> he's lying, <laughs> and then when he no longer need to lie, he's like, "Yeah, sorry, I lied. Take me over there." <laughs> <laughs> And he's not theatrical about it. I kind of liked Human Harry's ability to be theatrical when he needed to be. Like when he was on the ship heading to Terminus, he was very theatrical about what he was doing. Yeah, everything was a show. I say, I say, Harry the knife is still, um, still a a bit of a drama queen. But you're right; like he doesn't put on the big old uh, (laughs) dog and pony show anymore. He's just (laughs) like he, he just, uh, he just dramatic. Harry is a dramatic bitch. Yes, he he is. And apparently it runs in like method magician circles because Kale is also fucking cryptic <laughs> as shit. Cryptic yeah. and dramatic as shit. Uh, I like Harry and Gail arguing over like definition of a door. And <laughs> you can audibly hear Gail rolling her eyes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it. <laughs> it's like arguing with an English professor. It's just annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, what do you say? Um, walls can be doors if you open them. Something like that. <laughs> something, something similar to that. Yeah. My immediate, my immediate thought was like, do not hire Harry Seldon to be your interior designer. <laughs> what are you? We'll making? just make this a door. <laughs> yeah. What, what are you making? It's a door. No, it's a hole in the wall. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's discuss Kelly. <laughs> okay um this doesn't make any sense uh, <laughs> i i i do have a theory that makes a little bit more sense of it um you think she's a robot i do think she's a robot and, and i'm not sure if like the actual callie was a robot or if this is just a robot that's taking callie's form but i'm willing to buy either one at this point um i think that when harry is brought back to life and some kind of human form. He's not really a human. He's a robot that's designed to look human because that's a thing. Um, it's very Isaac Asimov. Um, 
Yeah, I think these are robots. I think that's why Harry's being so secretive about it. I think that's why Callie's being so cryptic about it. They don't want people to know that robots still exist somewhere. Um, uh, yeah. By the way, for listeners who are listening and being like, oh, the crabs are robots. We're saying robots in the sense of like, as Isaac Asimov, I, robot kind of. Uh, Basically androids. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> What, are the, what do they call the drain? Positronic brains or yeah, something like that? Yeah, the positronic brain. That's totally yeah. Asimov. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Essentially, essentially um, set, fully sentient AIs that are robots. Um, not not like loading bots <laughs> or crap <Right>. mining bots. <laughs> uh, and uh, a little reminder for people who may have forgotten, in season one, they said all the robots are wiped out. Yeah, there was the robot wars. Yeah, and yeah. Demersal seems to believe she's the last of her kind. Yeah, 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 and um, that was pre-Empire as well, right? Um, and also, I've seen a couple of people be a little bit confused about this. Um, you have to remember that the Empire existed before the Genetic Dynasty, right? There right. was the an Empire, Empire long before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Plan was not there the was first em- emperor. Yeah, there was plenty of uh, emperors who are just normal, everyday kings like we have in our world who are, you know, people are supplanting, overthrowing them or peacefully uh, passing on to their children or whatever. The empire existed like this for a long time, but it was a lot more unstable. According to Cleon, we don't know. That is a biased view. A lot, we yeah, this don't is a very one-sided view, yeah. yeah. According to Cleon, it was a lot more unstable until he installed the genetic dynasty to stop the you know secession wars happening all the time. So, um, so there is a much broader time of the empire, um, a quite shorter, but still a long time, time of, the genetic dynasty, and there were time before the emperor empire itself as well, which robots predate even the empire, not just the genetic dynasty, even the empire. Yeah, and that's so, true to the books. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we're looking at a grand scale there, and as the mysteries around Damrosel's identity uh, become more front and center, I think it's going to become more important. I'm only saying that because I have a theory Damrosel is way older than we think. Like, I think she predate, she definitely predate the genetic dynasty because she was there with Cleon the one, Cleon the first, and we don't get the impression that she was a newly made robot then, at least I don't, but I think she's even older than the Empire. I think she date back to the early days of robots, and she definitely made it through the robot wars. In my opinion, she definitely lived through it. What kind of experience did she have? What, what that might perform her actions for the future? We don't know. But my theory is like she's 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 getting a long revenge for her kind. That's my out there theory. I think the show wants you to question whether Demersal is basically like a prisoner of the empire or um or or is actually trying to control the empire as that as what you're saying like the long game long game of revenge Mm. um i think that's where where it's going with her character and there's lots of like little subtle clues that you know she's not you know like that scene later in the in the episode where she is with empire and she's like stroking his ego literally and Mm. She stroking gives his this ego little... and stroking his little ego. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like, he has his eyes closed and he's leaning back and he's like really into it. And she gives off this look. Like she's like, Oh God, I hate this. Like, <laughs> so 
I think you're supposed it's time to for think, a sad little hand job. I kind of agree with you. I think Demerzal <laughs> is playing a long game and she's trying to get around her programming to find a way to enact vengeance upon the Empire. Yeah. I agree. Well, we'll discuss a little bit more when we get to that um that sad little that hand stroking job scene. scene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay, um but Kelly, right? I have a feeling they're not going to explain it. <laughs> I hope they'll come back and explain it later. But um, the way they cut off right as um, Harry wakes up at the end of this episode and saying uh, uh, he doesn't know how he became flesh and blood, it indicates to me that they're trying to bypass that conversation until later. Like, Definitely. If they were yeah. going to explain it straight away, they wouldn't have cut it dramatically like that. I would be very surprised if the next episode begins with Harry being like, okay, so after you laugh, <laughs> this is what happened. <laughs> now, if I'm right and Callie is a robot and now Harry's a robot, I think that's not something we're going to know for a long time. Like, I think that's going to be a, a long term, like, twist, like maybe at the end of the season or something. Um, mm. So, yeah. Mm. I, it, uh, the, the way it's written, it's definitely meant to be a long-term mystery. It's not something that we're going to have the answer to immediately. Mm. I think we would. I think we would probably figure out, out this season because this season is probably Bell Rio's Hobo Mello um, second foundation threat, and next season is going to be. Oh no, we still somehow didn't prevent the future the mule is in. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. It definitely feels like that's where where this is going. Like this season's going to be about Hober Mallow and Bell Rios and the second foundation getting started, and then the next season's going to be about the mule, which makes sense. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, um, Kelly, uh, Kelly, um, dramatic bitch. <laughs> Just why like the Harry. hell? Like, why is Kelly a character in the show? Like, I don't get it. It's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> she was well, just some know. math poet that Gail used as inspiration to come up with a solution to a problem that isn't even part of the 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 psychohistory. It's just a problem that that Harry sent out into the world to recruit, right? Hey, so hey, technically Gail shouldn't even be in the show anymore. It's just well, just true. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm so confused by why they're bringing Callie in as like mm. first as as some weird consciousness version of the the Prime Radiant. And now, as whatever that was inside the statue or the mountain or whatever, so I don't know. Could Kelly, if Kelly is a robot, could Kelly be in cahoots with Demerzel? Maybe, but I, I actually think Demerzel does believe she's the last robot. I don't think that was a lie. Oh, what if Yana is also a robot? Uh, Harry's wife. Hmm, that's uh, interesting. <laughs> I can't say anything. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I have been very carefully avoiding the conversation about Harry's wife because I don't want to talk about her. Like at okay. all. <laughs> well, I'm going to talk and you can just listen because I have many a theory about Harry's wife. See, I will my cover biggest, my, my biggest fear was... Uh, my biggest fear going into it, even in season one, I think I mentioned it a little bit in season one in the, on the podcast, that it's going to turn out to be something terrible happened to Yana, and it was the Empire's fault, and all of Harry's actions have been the result of a fridged wife character. <laughs> and just being like, he, like, like, I thought the plot was going to be men will literally uh, plot out the entire future <laughs> of the galaxy instead of going to therapy about his dead wife. 
<laughs> well, I mean, that would um, be accurate, but <laughs> I and I still a little bit worry and believe that that might be the case. That might be what Harry is doing. <laughs> um, but now more and more, I feel like Yana is like going to factor into it, but she's a little bit, a lot more of an active party than a fridge, a fridged character, which is great because that's right one. Um, especially now that they said she and Harry uh, work on the math together. And I'm also bracing for like a, a line somewhere down the track where Harry's like, you know, she was the real genius. Uh, my math paled in comparison. <laughs> and I'm like, that that would be fine, but I I don't know. I'm just I'm just looking out for like writing shorthands. That's a little bit tropey and trite. Uh, <laughs> I think Harry could acknowledge that his wife held, but he's too egotistical to say that she was the like power behind mm, psycho history. Mm. I don't think he could do it. <laughs> and the reason I'm saying that and I'm floating that Yana could be a robot um, theory is. Uh, what if even the psychohistory and the construction of prime radiance itself, unbeknownst to Harry, was always shepherded and guided by plots by robots? Like, what if who can think more long term, more on the grand galactic scale than an artificial mind who is technically immortal? You know? So that's why I'm like. What if Damrazel, Kelly, and Yana was in Kahoot and everything that has happened so far is plotted out by robots um, and and then human factors like Gil and Selvo and Hober Mello and Bel Rios is going to be the ones that kind of twerk it for better or worse. We don't know. Like who has the best uh, of I just want to point out that you said twerked it instead of tweaked it. <laughs> no, I said thwerk. Oh, like thwart. I, okay. I, I it sounded like you said thwart. thwart. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I did. I did say thwart. <laughs> I meant to say thwart. <laughs> but anyway, I will stop saying things to which you can't react. To. Yeah, I'm literally <laughs> sitting here with my finger over my lips, like in the shh pose. Like I'm not gonna say shit. <laughs> and if you've read the books, don't talk to Lynn about this. <laughs> Okay, okay, okay. I have a feeling I'm either like way off or really on the nose. <laughs> One of those I mean, two look, things is true, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, they casted Yana for a reason. Like in, in the first episode, in the first season, they never, they just talked about Yana. Um, they never. Did they even mention Yana? Like, now I don't, there's a face to it. And I don't remember them they mentioned mentioning his him. wife. I don't think he said his name. Okay, maybe. They definitely mentioned his wife. Yeah, he he definitely he definitely talked about his talked about his uh, life mate in season one. I'm pretty sure because I knew always knew he had a wife, right? So yeah, my take is that they casted both Yana and Kali this season for a reason. <laughs> that right? Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, maybe we're just gonna maybe we're just gonna get a bunch more robots. Oh, um, we. We are gonna learn more about the about Damrazel's past. Um, David Esquire said we, we, he specifically said we're gonna learn more about her past this season. So I imagine one of the episodes is a flashback episode for Damrazel history. That would be cool. Uh, um, they have they have been releasing every week like little snippets of interviews with little bits of footage 
Um, it's not really too spoilery, but there are some really cool images of Demersal. Like it looks like Demersal is going to have one hell of a journey this season. I'm really looking forward to that. Should we watch and talk about them or not? Um, uh, hey, listeners, why don't you write in and let us know? Like, do we do you want us to wrestle more with the extra materials? Like, it would really enhance our theories. But do you want that, or do you just want us to experience the just the, what the show says pure and talk about uh, theories and reactions to it, just the pure text? Because I really like going out there and looking at those things, but I'm deliberately making myself not look at them as to as not to color my opinions. So let us know. Write us in the streaming heap at outlook.com. Good call. Um, yes. Or just tweet. Or or just tweet at Eric. <laughs> <laughs> you mean X me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm on. I'm on Threads. I'm on Threads <laughs> at Lin underscore Manual underscore Verenda. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen that uh, meme where they they're they're trying to urge zuckerberg to change the name of threads to twitter <laughs> <laughs> nobody's using it now <laughs> i mean i mean zuckerberg actually owned the copyright to x in the context of social media so they should just swap <laughs> like, like you can be x will be twitter <laughs> Copyright a letter. That's stupid. <laughs> They're not copywriting a letter. They're copywriting the letter for Pacific use in the <laughs> context, okay? You can't do that. That has been the center of copyright laws since copyright <laughs> laws existed. You can't have it both ways. Either have copyright laws or not at all. <laughs> well, it's just further proof that Mark Zuckerberg got into social media because he has a problem with his ex, so... <laughs> <laughs> Um, if anything, uh, if there's anything Musk has achieved over the last year, it make um, Zuckerberg seem sane by comparison. <laughs> it's robots versus aliens, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Um, okay, so this line, you want to talk about this? Oh, um, yeah. At one point. When they're arguing, when when Gale and Salvor are arguing about whether or not to go in and save Harry, um, Salvor uses a line uh, to try to to convince Gale, and it's never let your sense of morals prevent you from doing what is right, which is a great line. It's from the books, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense in context. Like the way it's used in the books is way more effective and way cooler, and the way it's used here is just kind of like, hey, if you've read the books, you know this line. It doesn't really make sense to me, like how she uses it. Can um, you tell us how it's used in the book without spoilers? Um, because not not really. Because <laughs> like, because in, <laughs> in the text itself, it it's it reads like a fortune cookie quote. Okay, like it doesn't <laughs> make much sense. It's a maxim that I can't remember if it was used by Hober Mallow or if it was used by Salver Harden. It could have been used by either one of them. Um, and it was used to justify doing certain things for the greater good, even if they didn't seem like the right thing to do. Like, um, that's the best way I can put it without spoiling it. But it was a maxim that they used a couple of times in the book. Um, and even if it was originally said by Salvor Hardin, I'm pretty sure Hober Mallow used it yep. because it was, it was a famous quote by that point. Um, so, and it's, you just, know, it, it's more clever and more funny in the books. Like it's actually used humorously in the books whereas here it's just like i said it just feels like a wink to the audience who's read the books doesn't really feel like an organic line <laughs> okay 
you're gonna you're not gonna like this. But dear readers, I have a trick. Dear listeners, <laughs> <not> readers, <laughs> um, dear denizens of the heat, I have a trick to see if a maxim or a quote or whatever little Confucius says uh, kind of philosophy little snippet is good or kind of trouble like, troublesome. You take a picture of Hitler. You put that quote next to Hitler in quotation mark, and you read it up. And if it fits, do not use it. (laughs) I would suggest if you take a picture of Hitler and put, never let your sense of morals prevent you from doing what is right, it will point out the troublesome nature of that quote. I'm not saying it's so, a good like it's a it's a good moral so philosophy. I don't want to put that in the bit. <laughs> and by the way, this is a good rule. This is a good rule. <laughs> when uh, I was in rule. college, I had a picture of Hitler on my door, and it said, uh, "Even Hitler didn't smoke, or even Hitler knew that smoking was bad, so don't smoke." And that was because I was a smoker, and I was you know just a, I was an edge lord. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that, that is an edge lordy poster. Did you print that yourself, or are people selling that? I printed that myself. Ah, <laughs> oh, buddy, you're a custom kind of like <laughs> custom edge lord. I am. I was. Not anymore. Fair, fair, fair. I've been listening to your other podcasts. And <laughs> oh god i'm sorry <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have a lot of bones to pick with you my friend. i'm sure you do <laughs> uh, and for the listeners go check out um eric's other uh, for listeners who are politically minded go check yeah, out i eric's talk politics a lot <laughs> yeah yeah uh it is called uh from here to paternity correct from here um, to paternity uh, right you can find it on any podcast platforms. Uh, they kind of uh, are our step sibling podcasts. Um, so if they ever tra- if they ever are trapped in a dryer, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and you know it's not it's not like one of those. You know how most podcasts are just two cis white guys just ranting at each other. Well, we prevented becoming that by me not being white, but. Eric's other podcast prevented happen, uh, becoming that by having four cis right, white right. guys. Four cis white guys. Yeah. <laughs> four cis middle-aged white guys with beards. Yeah. <laughs> so go check it out. But seriously, the All Jokes Society is a fun podcast of four people who come from very politically different point of views and um, trying to, on on level and with good faith, trying to discuss important topics with each other. And I think that is a good thing overall, even if all of you are centrists because you're all Americans. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) uh, But yeah, like I've been enjoying what I've been listening. Um, Have me on sometime, you cowards. I'll tell you. (laughs) It would just be that scene uh, from uh, uh, Black Panther where uh, I yell, all of you are wrong. You don't even have Medicaid. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so <laughs> Harry becoming human. It's, it's the ending, but let's talk about it now. 
Well, he, well, he's alive. We don't like. I, obviously, we think we think that he he's a robot. Obviously, but uh, in the context of the show, we're currently supposed to think he's a human. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah, he's been turned human, and like because they've also made him the yeah. same age. Because why why make him younger when they can make him older? Um, at one point mm. in the episode, he says, "At scale, well, I'm an they don't insignificant." Don't want to hire another actor. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. <laughs> I am insignificant. Like even I am insignificant. Harry Seldon. Um, so therefore it, he's so insignificant that he has to get a whole rework to have a body. And I'm confused as to how this is supposed to be a helpful thing, because as a, as a hologram, he had the ability to control computers and to, to, you know, move around without any physical danger. And those are some really important things. Yeah, sure. He was tethered to wherever the nearest network was, but that's not that big of a weakness. <laughs> so I don't, being a human is way weaker than that. So I don't understand what the point of this is, unless he's okay, a first of all. Okay, first of all, you're assuming it is supposed to be helpful. Maybe it's not. Second of all, you are underselling the religious significance of a second coming, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, well, this is more like the third or fourth, really. So no, but <laughs> no, no, other are holograms. But others are holograms, and people know they're holograms. Even even him coming back as a hologram um, spawned an entire religion. Can you imagine him stepping down on Terminus, all flesh and blood, out of the bagger? How significant a religious event would that be? Come on. You have to give me that. I, I mean, you're right, yeah. I mean, if they have people, like, walking up to him and, like, touching him to feel him and... Mm. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have holes in his hands, but if he did, they'd be sticking their fingers through them, you know? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what is the point of becoming head of a cult if you don't want people to touch you? (laughs) Um, And you don't want to touch people. Uh (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, they're not going back to Terminus. Like, that's not their goal. Their goal is to start the second foundation. So how is he being human going to help start the second foundation? They're going to pick up a bunch of Mantelics and Ignis, and then they're going to head to Helicon. And then he will discover that whoever people he left in Helicon has already kind of sort of started the basic of the second foundation. And then he's going to show up flesh and blood and become head of the second foundation. That's my theory. I got nothing. Like, I'm, I'm not I'm not being speechless because of book spoilers, because Harry's long dead in the book by this point. Um mm. Harry the hologram does exist, right? Like, clearly not Harry the knife, but the vault hologram. Harry, there is a vault hologram, but he's not like a sentient being. He's just he's like a recording more than anything else. Okay, okay, he's more like Jor El. Kinda, yeah, yeah, more like Jor El, less like Harry the hologram. (laughs) Yeah, I, I just, I just don't necessarily think we can assume that this Harry being turned into flesh and blood or robot or whatever is a measure to help with the um, second foundation. Like, who the fuck know what this mysterious Kaylee is? uh, Maybe they were punishing him for something. I'm assuming they, but Callie was, like, punishing him by making him human. I don't know. Things I enjoyed as visual metaphors in this segment of this episode. um, At enough scale, I am insignificant. And then him coming back to life in the palm of a giant statue's hand. I didn't pick awesome. up on that, but that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, also, Kelly looking mysterious and, uh, in the eye of the statue. Gail um, yelling, what are you? And then she stepped back into the statue as the statue's eyes closed, essentially winking at Gail. <laughs> Love that. Why are all these mathematicians such dramatic bitches? I'm enjoying it. Jedi's could never, Jedi's could never be this dramatic, even if they wanted to. And they want to. <laughs> they try. They try so hard. <laughs> but Stellan Skarsgård and Andor was way more dramatic than any Jedi. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Because he's I not a Jedi. My, <laughs> I burn myself for a dawn I'll never see. Oh, <laughs> um, okay, so let's talk about, and let's move on to the other story thread. The foundation. Last week, I said, I don't give a shit about anything that is happening with the foundation. <laughs> you call me back when you you have Hova Mello for me. And they listen. They call me back because they have Hova Mello. They immediately and, showed us Hova Mello. I'm glad they did. Yes. I am loving the foundation threat now. I love every minute of it. I also, I even also even love the little meeting. It is that meeting was a lot more reasonable than the meeting last week. <laughs> no, and there was like really good exposition in that meeting where they were arguing yeah. about the limits of what psychohistory could have predicted and how yes. the hell the vault would know a name and stuff like that. Stuff that we were talking about, questions we had, yeah. you know. So I appreciated yeah. that. The show doesn't seem to be able to completely nail down just what level of religious is. Polly, <laughs> you know, like, it seems like Bother, it seems like Polly is not a very religious person. Like he's he knows he's a fraud. Um, he knows he's a con man for religion. But I think Brother Constant is definitely more of a believer. You even see Brother Constant like praying for Hober at one point in yeah, this episode. True. So, but but he still go back and forth, Polly. he still have moments in which he does seem to be in religious fervor. But to be I fair, think he has a religious. Been... I think he has a religious fervor towards Harry and psycho yes, history. That's what I'm but not say. towards yeah, this yeah. whole galactic spirit mumbo jumbo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, true. True. Uh, okay. Hobo Mellows. Uh, I want to say this now. Clearly, this season is Hobo Mello versus Bell Rios. Absolutely. The reason yes. they are both. The reason they both introduced this episode is uh, that that is clear, and they're clearly being pe- picked against each other in philosophy. Yes, and, and we will. Sorry, I, I'm go. gonna talk a little bit about the books more than okay. I normally would because yeah. in the books, Hobermallo and Belrios are not at the same time. They do not exist at the same time. Hobermallo comes first, then Belrios. But I love that the show is putting them together because it makes so much more thematic sense to pit these two characters against one another. Um, Yes. Not only because they're two of the most interesting characters, but like you said, they have polar opposite um, philosophies of life, you know? Hmm. Um, And I'm really curious to see how that interaction is going to play out because, damn, that should have been in the books. (laughs) Yeah, this is good. This is good. Like, I'm, I'm like, this episode, not just, I just... I didn't just really enjoy the episode. It gave me a lot of hope that this season could be awesome. I agree. Um, the, the introduction of both Hober Mello and Bell Rios blew me the fuck away. So, yeah. So let's talk Hober Mello. Uh, that little con is very silly. Very fun. <laughs> it's extremely uh, silly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was, when he first got arrested immediately after the first switch, I was like, ah, 
come on, like you're gonna like work up this comment as a great comment, and then he's immediately gonna get arrested. And then the the second twist happened, and I, I saw the second twist going to happen as soon as I realized um, the the king guy was on site at the um, execution. Right, right. I was like, oh, okay, like he's somehow gonna switch it again. But still, <laughs> it was good. It was it was well done. There's a tiny. I mean, I watched it the second. I watched it twice. I watched it again, looking for all the sleight of hand and stuff. And there's a little bit of Joker's plan kind of thing where there's yeah. a lot of things that had to go in a certain way for it to work. Um, yeah. But I'm willing to look past that because it does show you a lot of the sleight of hand that he does. Like at yeah. one point when he when he when he volunteers to take off the castling ring off his wrist, he does it yeah. with his mouth, and you actually yeah. see him like pull the piece into his mouth that yeah. he uses later. Um, yeah. Stuff like and when he's when he first castles into the king and he's holding the the staff, you see him put it behind his back and you see him taking the little jewel out of it. You don't yeah. see him put it in his mouth, but I, you know, there's a lot of cuts. You don't need to. So I was yeah. really, I really appreciated all of that. That was yes. very well done. And honestly, I, I wasn't fooled for a second because maybe just because I know Hober Mallow from the books that he always has multiple aces up his sleeve. That's kind of his yeah. character. Yeah. And to be fair, I think like he fully intended to just fly out of there if he could. Like I think being captured was a secondary plan. Like he, he just Yeah, yeah. He always got he always has like Yeah, contingencies, right? Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, what is this Nazi planet? <laughs> I don't know. And they execute the people with Titan's prick. Prick. <laughs> Like really? <laughs> like, they all dress like fucking the Luftwaffe. I Luftwaffe. I'm sorry. Uh, no, and like it, it, it definitely has that like Albert Speer architecture and that like mixed yeah. with some brutalism. And you got the people in the Nazi uniforms. It's very Nazi, or or maybe even that, Italian fascist. You know, yeah. I thought at some point one of them would ask me. One of them was going to ask me if if I would like to know more. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to know more? Um, uh, uh, I'm not going to lie to you that um, that the forcer. Command, yeah, <laughs> I knew you were going to say something about her. <laughs> God damn it. I've been freaking out. Uh, Hobo Mello keep hitting on her, and I'm like, I get it, Hobo Mello. Yeah, I, yeah, I get it. <laughs> oh, I love one. He's like, and some some, some people who might have been friends. <laughs> and they just look at her, and she's like... <sighs> I wonder if she'll come back. <laughs> Bring her back. <laughs> but, um, you know, while he might have been interested in the Forcer, uh, Brother Constant was clearly into him. Like, oh, he's oh, so yeah. confident. <laughs> yes. Oh, and then uh, later like, when he when falls on her, and she's like, oh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the anime fall as a trope, I know, is a bit trite, but it's always funny. It always, it always works, funny. yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> uh okay so <laughs> this planet's terrible and also did you call it it's it's corel but they call the people who live there corellians yeah <laughs> <laughs> to be fair this predated uh, star wars corel was from the books like Cor the corel okay, does exist fair. in the books well and if that is the case then it's more likely george lucas stole from this yeah because <laughs> yeah. george lucas stole from everything 
He's even admitted yes. it, so it's fine. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's completely <laughs> fine. But like his fans sometimes get pissed off when you say that. Like, look at the look at the picture. Take a picture of the Millennium Falcon and compare it to the <laughs> ship from uh, what's that French comic about a time time traveler? They made a movie about it recently. Oh, uh, Valerian. Um, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So compare the Millennium Falcon to Valerian's time ship. And... Yeah, very much. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just watch Flash uh, Gordon, you know, the old serials. It's basically Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, the plot of the first movie is just the Hidden Fortress. <laughs> yeah, the Hidden Fortress, of course. <laughs> yeah, including the uh, C-3PO and R2-D2. <laughs> I, I actually just recently happen. was doing a thing on my channel. I was looking at some, I was doing some research for my channel, and I came across this little bit of information that 20th Century Fox tried to sue the makers of the original Battlestar Galactica for ripping off Star Wars. And um, yeah, Universal shot back because they're the ones who were producing Battlestar Galactica. They shot back and said, uh, actually, Star Wars was stealing from a bunch of our properties. Here's a list. <laughs> and so that got settled out of court right away. <laughs> People in glass houses. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, uh, at this point, I want to talk about the little segment called Where is Becky? Is she okay? Is she safe? <laughs> she is okay. She's safe. She's under the hole. Hobo Mello might, uh, might have thrown up on her. <laughs> <laughs> so did Constance stick Hobo Mello with the, like, the hangover cure and it made him I don't know. hungover? She has, she has one trick, and that trick is making stabbing making people with a really long up. syringe. <laughs> <laughs> it is a very effective trick. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Hobo Mello's personality and how, uh, and his philosophy, but we're going to save it until after we talk about Bell Rios because I want to talk about them in comparison. So let's Yeah, go the counterpoint's very important. Yeah. Yes. We start with Bell Rios. Um, first, one of, one of the first uh, started, I was like, are they mighty salt? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, they are mining opalesque. Opalesque, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and on, uh, you found out this very important trivia uh, on, a pla- on a planet called Lepsis, which is, you want to... Yeah, I just was Googling, looking for the name of this this, this stuff that they're they're mining, op- opalesque, and I came across the fact that Lepsis is the, is the shorthand name for a bacterial disease that a bunch of Japanese miners were getting. <laughs> like... I'm like, okay. So somehow somebody knew that and, and named this planet after that. Yeah. The, the connection is too clear to not be yeah. to yeah. be a coincidence. It can't be. <laughs> yeah. Look, the way Bell Rios is introduced in this context is really a very quick shot here to show us that he cared for the people. It's a little bit cheap, but it works. Uh, I'm, I'm glad that like he didn't actually get everybody the freedom that he he wanted. I'm glad yeah. that there was like a negotiation there and that yeah. you know, maybe, maybe they got better quality health care in prison yeah. or not. I don't know. I'm yeah. sure Bell Rios would probably check up on that later. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I hope uh, Bell Rio doesn't seem to be a bit of grudgy man, but I hope that one guy, that one asshole guy, <laughs> I hope when he becomes a general again, that asshole guy got what's coming to him. <laughs> Yeah, because that was definitely um, a Nazi move. Speaking of Nazis, yes, <laughs> yes. 
And I also really loved uh, uh, Deborah Zell's like longer breaks, better healthcare, uh, improvement in conditions. I'm like, does that include not randomly getting executed? <laughs> Is that a condition though? Can, can I shoot that guy? Because if I can shoot that guy, we'll talk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, uh, uh, and also him not winning the, all their freedoms does show that, despite his best intention, he he can only shift things around in the status quo. He's never going to actually actively change things, and he knows that as well. Yeah, I was about to say, the, I get the sense that he knew that going into it that he wasn't going to get yeah. freedom for all of them. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah. But it was part of the negotiation, and he yes. he knew that from the beginning. Like he seems to have these kinds of. Uh, political uh, duels already planned out in advance. He already knows how it has to go and he yeah. acts accordingly. And you see that again with the Empire. So, yeah. Yes. So, they dangle... Uh, the, Empire, the Empire is cruel for no reason. Uh, of course. They told him that his husband is dead. Uh, I don't know why they didn't just kill him. Like, I guess they kept him alive for this purpose itself, right? Yeah, I bet Demerzal kept leverage. him alive for this purpose itself. That does it's seem like something Demerzal would have thought of, not Empire. Yeah. Maybe Demerzal no. just, like, encouraged Empire to do it. Yeah. Yes. This Empire is all ego and um, it. <laughs> There's no super <laughs> ego. <laughs> that's, like, what that's what this Empire is using uh, uh, yeah. Demerzal for. Yeah. 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 Super ego and sex. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so you want to talk about this Empire's Choice thing? Okay, now, people who have listened to our show enough know that usually in every episode I try to find one, like, weird filmmaking thing to talk about. And in this episode, there's a really good scene. I mean, that, that scene where the Empire and Belrios, like, in, when Day and Belrios are alone, you know, alone in quotes, there's still guards in the background, and they're facing yeah. off against each other. That negotiation, when it seems like Day has the upper hand... The camera's in one position, and then the camera actually swings around and breaks a very critical cinematography rule called the 180-degree rule, where you're not supposed to break... Where if, like, one character's on the right and one character's on the left, you're not supposed yeah. to then suddenly cut to a scene where the one other character's on the left and the other one's on the right. Like, you're not supposed to break Unless you have a degrees. specific reason to. Yes, right. Which is just and I to feel say, like yeah. in, this, in this scene, they definitely have a really good reason to show yes. you that changing dynamic, because... Even though Day is still standing higher, constantly higher than Belrios, very tall because he's wearing the whole tall outfit and he's Lee Pace. Um, yeah. Even with that, you can see the shift in the power dynamic that Belrios does have the upper hand and Empire doesn't really even realize it. Um, and I think yeah. that that was a very clever way of doing that thematically. Yes, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't describe it in the term of having the upper hand. Yeah, I don't think Belrios had the upper hand, but he was very he he was very competent in how he approached yes. the situation. He knew what yeah. Empire was doing, and he didn't fall for any of his traps. Yes, but not just that. Um, at the time, at the time of the scene, I also think Belrios just knew what the Empire wanted. Like yeah. he just chose the option of what he wanted. But I think, especially after the final scene uh, with Bell Rios, I think what he did was what is true to him. No, like, true. I don't Absolutely. think I don't think I think Bell Rios won that game by not playing at all. Exactly. I think and I think that's what makes him so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I, I think 
Yeah, because uh, at the time of the scene, I was like, oh, okay, he would just, he, he knew, he, he got the Empire figured out. He knew exactly what he wanted, which option he would prefer, which is not that hard to figure out. This guy is just all ego. He's not, he's, he doesn't want the option where uh, Bel Rio strike him. But no, Bel Rio's didn't even double think. Bel Rio is not playing the game. He's being true to himself. His policy is, yes, I will obey you, but it is because obeying you for most times will result in safety of the most number of people. Your subject, right. who you don't care about, but I actually do. <laughs> Which is what he explains to his husband later. Yeah, that, right, that's how exactly. he explains his motivation. Yes. Yes. Um, also, in this scene, I, I really like that you, you can tell how composed Belrios is in front of Empire. Like, he is yeah. very, very cool under pressure. Empire yeah. basically just threatens to kill his husband again, and he actually yeah. smirks. Belrios smirks. Yeah. He's like, no, yeah. if you were gonna just bring me here to kill me, you'd be an idiot. <laughs> like, that's well, not why I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And also, I think there is a part of him who hasn't even really accepted that his husband is really alive. You know? Yeah, and when he did say that thing where I've been living with a dead husband for six years, he meant that. Like, yeah. that wasn't just a play that like you said yeah. i think he does carry his heart on his sleeve he's very cool yeah. under pressure but he he's not capable of really lying direct like that like yeah yes and i think that's his character definitely he's a very honorable man yes i want to talk about the um contrast between the two private um affectionate scenes set against each other. So the scene between Bel Rios and his husband reconnecting and the tender nature of it, and then it zooms out to them being watched on a screen by Empire and Damrosel. Yeah, one Kudos. heartwarming, one creepy as fuck. Yeah. And yes, and at its core, a, a gay relationship set against a straight relationship Kudos to the writers and kudos to the cinematographers because a lot of a lot of shows are more and more including LGBTQ characters. That's great, but a lot of them are still using them as tokens. A lot of them are still like, I know this sounds like you can't win either way, but like, hear me out. Sometimes people use it as completely tokens. They just be like, they just say this character is gay. It doesn't anything. It doesn't mean anything. Sometimes people use them completely as props. You know, they barely even characters. They just they to represent um, LGBTQ. Right, right. No, yeah, I agree. With you. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah um, and um, and for the shows for for and for the corporate overlords to win points. Um, and this, yeah, we're looking at you, Disney. Great. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously just, and it's all of them. C come on, every single one of those company will cut your throat and drink your still warm blood if it will raise their profits. <laughs> don't, don't get yourself wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> that was too vivid. Sorry. <laughs> um, yes, uh, but here, here they are. Just people who are in this relationship and like in the context of it, it just works. It's just like it's two people who thought they were never going to see each other reconnecting and one of like the tenderness of one of them find like suddenly he didn't prepare him. He, he wanted Empire to see him in his disheveled mess, but then he, it immediately went to him seeing his husband and he was like, 
he was um, embarrassed self-conscious, by how he looked. you know, yeah, embarrassed. Yeah. And then the very caring nature in which one take care of the other. By the way, uh, what's his name? Glen- Glamion or something? Glenwin or something? Glenwin or no, Glaywin or something like that. Glaywin, yeah. Uh, he Hell of a hairdresser. I don't know how you <laughs> made the first shot to do the second shot. Like, you fucking nailed it. <laughs> um, but so he's a twink nature- and a hairdresser, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> You're talking okay, about a show maybe... avoiding stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like, they have this very loving moment where everything makes sense, nothing is over the top, and and it cuts to the most over-the-top fuckers in the creepiest <laughs> uh, relationship <laughs> watching them. And they are, like, that affection is kind of what's also making the empire affectionate but it's so creepy and in comparison it's like it's the same moment it's it's two people trying to supposedly discuss their philosophy yeah, Demersal's even like copying some of the movements when she's like yes. stroking his face it's like exactly yeah. the same movements but you see yeah. that juxtaposition between a healthy relationship and a toxic one it just so happens yes. that the healthy one is the gay relationship and the toxic one is the not so yeah yeah a hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's I really like the contrast of this shot and the the cut is perfect. The first time I watched it, I was like, "This is a weird cut." And then I, when I will rewatch it, I might know the cut entirely fit the philosophy behind this scene because it ends on um, the empire going, keep going, yeah, keep and going. Damrazol, <laughs> Damrazol, like had a little look and it cut immediately. I'm like, that's a weird cut. But looking back. No, that's a perfect cut because you're left with this icky feeling because if the camera stayed there, it could be anything. Keep going could mean keep stroking. Keep going mean a sexy. We don't know. like, But we'll know definitively if the camera stayed there. But it cutting away leave us more with the more icky feeling. <laughs> I also like that when it cuts, it cuts to this really long establishing shot of, I think it was the desert. Um, yeah. So like it gives you a lot of time to process that, which yes. I think you need. Otherwise, like you wouldn't yeah. be able to tell what's happening in the new scene. So I thought that yes. was very well done, personally. And also that's the but the, another thing about that scene is two people are being manipulating each other and using each other in that scene because Empire is being inappropriate with his subject. Like Empire is like the boss having an affair with a coworker, you know, right? Or not affair, I guess. The boss checking up with the um, the employee employee. Um, but in another way, Demrosa also have the complete upper hand. She's actually the person manipulating Empire because uh, it has become very clear in the last three episodes that this Demrosa now hold a lot more power than she used to 150 years ago. Uh, Dawn and Day can't. Dawn and uh, Das can't even get a word in edgewise that is counter to what Damrosel advice. And Damrosel doesn't really care about what they say anymore. She she directly addressed Day, and Day seems to listen to everything she says in the end, no matter how he is petulant about it. And he even knows how indispensable she is now. Like he even acknowledges in this scene. Yeah, definitely. So. Let's talk about the final Star Trek scene. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I really like it because I like Star Trek, but yeah, he he Belrios goes to his ship and he's meeting up with his crew, which he apparently already knows. Mm. Um, it, it's like the twenty the the twenty fifth or something. Yeah, like, yeah. 
Um, that's, but also, it, that's just one ship. It's not a fleet. I know, but no, well, you see the whole. Yeah, you yeah, see the yeah. whole fleet, like yeah. like like bound, uh, warping out later. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like he meets his crew and he's talking to his crew and he he talks to the one spacer girl whose name is uh, she who folds. She bends light. She bends light. She bends light. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it it just felt like Star Trek. It felt like the captain of the Enterprise coming aboard and greeting, you know. Troy is the telepath, you know, it just, it so felt exactly like Star Trek. <laughs> I don't know. Like, and I'm not saying that is a bad thing because like I said, I love Star Trek. It's just weird. It just came out of nowhere to me. It just came out of left field for me. <laughs> um, I would like to add that uh, I just met She Bands Light, but if anything happens to her, I will burn down this place and everyone is. <laughs> <laughs> I do think it's very critical that she gives that exposition about the opalesque yeah. And how that that's how the Empire controls the spacers because the spacers need Opalesque, but the Empire, yeah. uh, you know, siphons it slowly. Um, yeah. A little bit I, awkward conversation. It's but... a very awkward bit of exposition, <laughs> but it, it's obviously very important exposition yes. that's going to come into play later. Yeah. Yes. If the spacers control the warp, control the, um, the, the light speed jumps, um, and um, the Empire is using Opalesque to control them. The Opalisk is essentially just spice. It's just the Basically, spice. Basically, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he who controls the spice. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also do think uh, it's key that the Empire hasn't updated their jump drive technology, and the Foundation apparently has. I think yes. that that's important, that the technology in, at the uh, outer rim is still developing, whereas the technology of the Empire is squandered. It's, it's staying yes. the same. Yes. Uh, and also, uh, can I uh, give the mechanical designers some props in uh, having a very logical through line on how the jump drive work for the Empire? Because original old jump drive ship, like the Invictus, is essentially a Dyson Sphere in which the uh, occupants of the ship are in the spinning rings and the new designs, which seem to be a massive improvement in which the spinning rings are independent in the core of the ship and the ship is built around it. I really right. like that mechanical visual through line of, oh, those are the old ones, which makes sense. Like, why would you want you to live in the spinning bits? And now the <laughs> new ones make a lot more sense. <laughs> you know? No, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I really like I am curious things. that like the the overhead announcement goes everybody go to their their crushes or whatever so that they yeah. can you know do the hyper jump and not be weirded out but yeah. the captain I mean but Bell Rios and uh Graywin don't actually move like I don't know yeah. if like maybe you just cut too soon and then they go to their crushes last because yeah. you know it's the it's the captain but yeah it's it really felt like they were going to be awake during the jump which doesn't make any sense especially the comment about the sick bags and all that I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, also, um, do not shorten Sh She Bands Light's name to She Bands. That's no, please. <laughs> <laughs> she Bands. <laughs> That's not appropriate at all. It's not appropriate. <laughs> you do not call your <laughs> employee She Bands. <laughs> I'm going to call her SBL. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, now let's talk about Bell Rios versus um, Holber Mello to close it out. It is you, essentially... Hmm? Sorry, go on. I was about to say, you clearly want, you clearly have this prepared, so I'll let you go. Talk. 
<laughs> well, it's essentially order versus chaos, right? Like at its core, it's order versus chaos. Bell Rios uh, is about order, and uh, Hobo Mello is about chaos. But it also goes further than that. Bell Rios is about utilitarianism. It's about pragmatism, right? Like that line where he says that I'm no revolutionary, nor am I a deserter, is very important. Yes. Like, yes. At like it's. It's super easy to just see him as somebody who is butting heads against the empire, but he's a lot more detailed and important and nuanced and important than that. He is a man who will never betray the empire. Day he doesn't give a shit about, but he right. believes in the empire. <laughs> so in for this conflict, he is he personified the empire more than Day itself. Day is just a kid with an ant farm. And all the magnifying glasses, <laughs> like this Girl is the guy. Capricious, who, yeah. Yes, this is the guy who, who is actually the goodness of the philosophy or behind empire, right? Because there is a philosophy behind empire that is worth something. Order, wanting of order is in itself not bad. It's just how you go about it and what order means and. What, what do you think is a necessary and okay sacrifice for order to be achieved? That's that's the part that sink into fascism. Like, wanting order itself <laughs> is not an inherently bad thing. Um, and Homer Mello, on the other hand, is a very... Like, right now, he will become developed later, I imagine. Right now, he is what somebody like Day would criticize what foundation would represent. Um, people who would um, uh, who would value individualism over utilitarianism. People who right. think about uh, um, personal achievement and wants and needs and freedom are closer to libertarianism. Well, than... I think I think Hober Mallow more than libertarianism is more of like an objectivist hero at this at this stage of his life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I imagine the journey will bring him closer to the 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 nice version of libertarianism. <laughs> you and me may have slightly different take on libertarianism, but that's uh, another discussion. We'll for discuss that podcast. on the other podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, like Hobo Mello will develop. Hobo Mello will start doing things for the good of the foundation later. But absolutely. The, but the thing is, no matter what, Hobart Mello will not represent utilitarianism, and maybe they will reuse that line later in that context. Never let your sense of morals prevent you from doing what is right. In the context of this conflict, it could be central to that. Oh, I think you know? so. I think it could, and I think that's. I hope that they introduced that line in this episode so they can use it again later. Like yes. maybe it has survived within the foundation because of uh, Salvar Hardin's dad is the one who said it. So maybe yeah. it's still a maxim in some circles. So, yeah. Yes. Yes. So Hoba Mello is, um, he's also like the very definition of um, putting a wrench in the wheel, you know? <laughs> I, and um, if they're setting it up as Bel Rios is the wheel and Hoba Mello is the wrench, I have a feeling if they do it right, like, we know this is a foregone conclusion that Hobomero, what did they say? Well, it's the one that stick the spear into the empire's the hide of the empire, right? Yeah. Um, so 
we know it's going to was that, but if if we're setting it up as Bel Rios is the wheel, he's the wrench. It's it's becoming to form a very intriguing picture. Like the journey is going to be satisfying, I hope and I think. So that is my pitch, and I, I'm very excited. No, and, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I think that is absolutely right, and I think that is exactly the kind of character dynamic they built with these two characters. You've yeah. got you've got the extreme utilitarian on one end, and you've got the extreme objectivist yeah libertarian if you want to call him that yeah, yeah <laughs> on yeah. the other end and you're gonna see them come to a clash and you're gonna see that resolve itself thematically in the show um so yeah and i think that and and i have a feeling they're gonna learn from each other and of course. i have a feeling they're going to slide towards each other a little bit Mello is going to have to learn to become more utilitarian and um, uh, maybe Bel Rio's ult- uh, ultimate downfall will be his inability to step out of the, his rigid structure of utilitarianism and him thinking he need to sacrifice everything he wants for himself, him, his own life, for the good of the empire, for good of the system. Uh, but also, um, uh, look, let's, when we say objectivism, not the... <laughs> let's just say it's not the atlas shrugged type <laughs> let's stay let's stay away from that yeah, <laughs> let's stay away from iron rand the cult of iron rand we're not going to talk about that yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just say clearly whatever philosophies the characters in India is representing they are trying to find the best version of those I think the better way of looking at it in terms of of the of this show is that Bel Rios is trying to be more of like the egoless, um, altruist kind of character who cares about the greater people, the greater good. Whereas yeah. Hober Mallow at this point is very selfish. He only cares about himself. He only cares about yeah. his own gain. Um, yeah. And that's the that's how they have to learn from each other. Yeah. Yes. And also, like this, they that the, is very also very important that they represent the philosophies of the foundation, as it's called, because the present the the existence of the foundation itself, for from the empire perspective, they are they are the Hoover Mellow of an <laughs> organization. Basically, like, yeah. Why why would like foundation is trying the to provincial. take away from the uh, stability the empire provide why would they want to create weaknesses in the empire why would they want to break down that structure and that order so yeah so let's see how this play out anyway um i think that's it for foundation for now unless you have something to add no i think it's good and if i say anything else i'll start spoiling things so <laughs> leave okay alone. so i'm very excited for episode four and we're going to take a little break and when we come back we're going to talk quite quickly about secret invasion and bobby yeah, let's just rip off that band-aid. <laughs> All right, we're back and we're ready to talk about Secret Invasion and Bobby. And up top, I have to say, complete spoilers, okay? So Oh yeah, definitely. It, it, if you're not, if you haven't seen it and you don't want to hear us talk about it all of it in detail, yeah, you should jump out now. But uh, especially because there's no way to talk about Secret Invasion without Spoiling the okay. shit out of it. Shit out of it because at its core, what I want to say was, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, accurate. That's that's pretty much it. If you go back and listen to us after episode one, we were really high on it. We talked about it once after episode one. After episode three, we were like, hey, that was stupid. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm like, what the ever level was that? How did this come up? Like, 
Like, no wonder they didn't advertise this shit, advertise this thing at all, because they were like, oh, we made it, we have to release it. <laughs> at least they didn't batgale it, I guess. At least they didn't <laughs> delete it for tax reasons. <laughs> but uh, at least it came out is the only good thing I can he- say about this show. Uh, I'm well, going to throw it to you. Still, I will still defend yeah, the cinematography. Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah, that's about fine. it. Yeah, yeah. I'll <laughs> let you go first, because I have a feeling I'm going to go way harder on this than you are, so go <laughs> Whoever was behind the camera filming the scenes did a yep. fantastic job. Yep. That man deserves an award for being yep. able to polish a turd that well. <laughs> <laughs> because holy shit was the writing a mess. To call it yeah. a train wreck is an insult to train wrecks. Um, let's talk nothing about... Worked. Nothing, nothing worked. worked. <laughs> nothing worked. And let's just start with the easy stuff. Like hmm. Marvel's so-called third act problem where yeah. everything always devolves into bad guys and good guys, punchy, punchy. Um, yeah. I do think that that complaint is leveled a little too often. I think it's a little yes. overblown, but in yep. this show, holy yep. shit, is that a problem? Yes. Like it, it doesn't just dissolve into punchy, punchy. It dissolves into, we're all going to have all the punchy powers of all the other punchy powers. And we're going to punch each other with them. Yes. It's so dumb. This and the CG is... was so bad. Yes. <laughs> Amelia Clark with that little of, tiny Drax arm. I was going to talk about that. Yeah, that, that <laughs> shot of Amelia Clark with the little tiny Drax hand is Baby arms. horrific. <laughs> and also, for some reason, was her head also CGI? Because why is her head so big? <laughs> so <laughs> big! <laughs> um, also, why would you ever use Drax arm if you have access to Hulk's DNA? <laughs> Which and can we do. talk about how this show interprets DNA? DNA means you get all of Ghost's powers when Ghost's powers weren't from her DNA, or you get like Drax's tattoos for some reason, or you yeah. get the one guy's rings and his like telekinetic powers. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Why is Winter Soldier's DNA in there? He's just a dude. And with how they were interpreting DNA, I half expected one of those punchy punchy arms to be Winter Soldier's vibranium <laughs> arm. Because why not? Why not? If it somehow bring you Drax t- t- tattoos, why not Winter Soldier's uh, metal arms? Because, yeah, like, Winter Soldier's, he, it's not in his DNA, it's in the Super Soldier serums. But, like, even if you say, oh, okay, then it'll just ask the Super Soldier serum. Once again, I ask you, why that when you already have Hulk's DNA in there? Why do you need that? <laughs> like, in fact, Hulk's DNA should overrule about half of them. And once again, you're right, um, the... Um, uh, one of the Black Orders, the magician guy's DNA, should not bring you magic with it. He's not telekinetic. <laughs> he is a magician. <laughs> what the fuck? They were like, oh, you know, you we know you like the super scroll with the, all four of the fantastic powers, fantastic force power. We're going to give you that with superheroes and supervillains, all of them. No. Including no. people who weren't even there at the Battle for Earth. <laughs> yeah, sometimes less is more. <laughs> Some of those people weren't even there. <laughs> and also, why is it all in one vial? Like, yeah, why are they all mixed into one vial? And like, did 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 he somehow confirm that that's what they were before he pu- plugged them into the machine? Like, it's, a lot of things didn't make sense about any of them. Nothing makes sense. Nothing. Nothing uh, makes you're right. Sense because I can't think of it, a single thing that made sense. You're right. Because why, like, it, this this machine and this technology is done after the fact. Like, whatever they're collecting all those vials for is not for this. So uh, this vial only makes sense for this machine. 
for any other use of these DNA, having them all in one vial, why would that make sense? And also, no, that's it doesn't make sense. That, yeah, that's stupid. <laughs> Clearly, they don't understand what DNA even is. <laughs> and can we also talk about, like, how did Gaia kill Gravik? Because in that very same fight scene, she stabs him right through the chest yeah. with, the like, her frost arm. And that doesn't kill yeah. him. That doesn't even yeah. phase him. Because they, and then they have... Um, they the have extremist powers. Extremist, yeah. yeah. And then later, she blows a hole through his chest, basically making the exact same wound, and that kills him. Why? <laughs> because it's the end of the episode. Oh, right. And the fight scene's <laughs> over. So, yeah, I, I tend to get really defensive when people bring up the Marvel three-act problem, but in this... Yeah, this has every single problem you could imagine in its third act. It is so bad. This show is the perfect distillment and culmination of what some part of film twitters have been pretending Marvel shows have been this whole time. All the yes, overblown criticisms, all the exaggerations, uh, all real taking real problem and exaggerating their complaints to a comical, untrue level. Uh, this show actually represent all of that and i like, think that's one of the things this that show makes is me so the mad show. it is yeah. totally yeah. <laughs> yeah and it ends with a, a superpowered character who now has all the powers of all the superheroes we've ever yes. met yes yeah that's great. that sounds like a something a child came up with <laughs> that's like an oh that seems like an oc of a six-year-old like, yeah when I you're like when you're a little kid hero. playing with action yeah. figures yeah. with uh, with one of your friends and one of your friends yeah. like no no you didn't kill my action hero because he has all the powers <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's actually also Superman and Batman. What's Batman's power? Oh, he wins. That's essentially that. That's essentially that. Like, that's why like Winter Soldier's fucking DNA is in there. <laughs> and you're oh, also no. totally right. Ghost is. Well, I mean, I guess you can say that Ghost is like the the thing. The experiment did affect her. The suit just kind of let her control it. But also not how DNA work. Um, but yeah. you know, you notice like the only thing that stopped the the big DNA collecting thing is copyrights because Spider-Man is not in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think about that. <laughs> uh, it's also dumb, so dumb. And uh, Okay, this is just us focusing on the big, very easy to criticize visual aspect at the end. But nothing about the show works. No, there's right. even more. Like, like, even leading up to that climax when you've got the so-called... A uh, thematic confrontation between Gravik and Nick Fury. A, it's not Nick Fury. B, the <laughs> argument doesn't even make sense. Uh, yep. And it never actually explains why Nick Fury couldn't find another homeworld. The answer is because he couldn't find another homeworld. Yep. What? <laughs> yep. That's nonsense. Make him live on Titan or something. Um, right. There's plenty of places we've seen within the MCU that would be fine. They just... I mean, the Skrulls are also hardy. Why not even just another planet in the solar system? Yeah, really. They don't don't seem to need oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They can live under extreme radiation. Uh, And like I said, I wanted this thematic confrontation to be between Nick Fury and Talos. But they fucking killed Talos. And they didn't even have Nick Fury in the final confrontation. So what the fuck? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but there is no confrontation because the the the, ma- the theme of the show we got tricked we fell for it we made it up for them they never had a good theme no they didn't <laughs> like, we thought no... it was going to be uh, Nick Fury having to come to term with his 
whole life of manipulating and just stay one step ahead in the spy game, coming to coming home to roost when he is responsible for this whole group of whole race of people being stranded and out of a home. But no, they never record with that. No, he never actually had to to change anything about his behavior. No, like and the show he never learned can, anything. The show can't even decide whether or not Nick Fury is over the hill or still awesome. Like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, and um, the other squirrels, good or bad? Like, were they a real threat or not at all? <laughs> <laughs> um, the the MCU is left in a worse place at the end of the show than at the beginning of it. And well, I yeah, don't mean now worse you've got as the... in like an interesting, like, no, in, in a bad, bad, yeah, just bad writing yeah. phase. Like now we've yes. got the the president of the United States declaring war on anything that's not born on Earth. Yeah, uh, that doesn't make any also, sense. You're not the president. You you're not the president of the world. World. You're president yeah, really? of the United States. You can't do that. Also, you I mean, signed a treaty with Asgard. I don't know, that's that's kind of realistic, actually. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just ah, oh, just ah, oh, da da, and just the existence yeah. of Gaia is annoying as fuck. That you have yes. this character. Um, I know what they wanted. I know, they wanted the equivalent of the Scroll Queen for later confrontations, but like. I, no, like, I love Amelia Clark, but all I want right now is for that character to never show up again. <laughs> or to be extremely nerfed. Like, it, yes. but that would, that would, even that would be disappointing at this point, because you can't yeah, yeah, set yeah, up a character like that and then nerf the hell yeah. out of her. This um, is the, this is the, this is Marvel Kobibashi Mayu. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. <laughs> uh, this is a no win situation. Um, and the, the thing between, uh, Nick Fury and his wife almost work at multiple points, but it doesn't work. Especially, no, they at the never conclusion. they never have a cohesive like argument. Like they don't yeah. have that thematic argument that they yeah. settle at the end. Yeah. Like at the end, they're basically the same position they were in the beginning, except this time yeah. she agrees to go with him to space. That's it. And, That's and only he difference. likes her in her scroll form. Maybe, maybe I don't know. And like, just... like. It, it, is it is it supposed to be that love doesn't care about appearances? Like he's in love with her as a person, but what her, what she was as a person was a lie, also. So yeah. <laughs> what's the flaw? Like he was like it's not about her face. It's it's like she was also like a double agent. She was working for Gravik. You like, could have a really really interesting character study in a romantic subplot that centers on that kind of question of what do yeah. you love in a person. Do you love the person they portray you to be, or do you love the person that they actually are? You could have a great storyline there. Yeah, this show does not have it at all. Yes, it it gives it lip service, but doesn't actually follow through with any of it. Yes, and to the people that says this is Marvel's Andor, keep Andor's word out of keep Andor's <laughs> name out of your mouth. Okay, <laughs> we gonna slap you. <laughs> this is not. Oh God! Uh, everything about it is ah, uh, uh, and um, Martin Freeman's character and Connell Rhodes being scroll uh, for we don't know how long that actively ruins it. Look, uh, uh, I also people... let's talk about when 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 they wake up, yeah. And Martin Freeman's character, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head, yeah, um, yeah, says, yeah. yeah, like how long have you been here? Shouldn't your first worry be how long have you yeah. been there? <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, shouldn't you? Where be more am I? Or where are oh, you? Or what's going I? on? What what's the fuck? This? What is this? Why am I dying of radiation poisoning? You know, things like that are a lot more important. Oh, <laughs> but yeah. how long have you but... been here, Colonel Rhodes? 
<laughs> like that's just like that's just a tease because they're like, oh, you guys will want to know, right? Like, yeah, we want. Yeah, that's to know. exactly oh, because... what it is. It's just a wink to the audience and a really bad one yeah. at that. Yeah, the reason we want to know is not because it's an interesting mystery. It's because we want to know answer... how much you ruined a thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> your answer could be really dumb. And I swear to God, if it turns out that he's been there since Civil War, uh, channels the new like Rockstar rock stars seems are to think, yeah. already already suggesting. That. I don't think it's true. And if even if they think they were going to do it, they're going to take it back now. After yeah, I don't think they're going to follow through with that if that no. was their plan. Uh, that that can't be right. If that is the case, then they have really fucked this up because you cannot say the roadie that cried when Tony died was a scroll in that scene. If you say that, then you no longer gave a shit about your cinematic universe. So why should I? Right. No, I agree completely. <laughs> this is what we talked about this at the very beginning when we first started talking about Secret Invasion. This is why you can't yeah. make a Secret Invasion TV show like this. It doesn't yes. work. <laughs> yes. You know what? I take it back. They should have bad gale this. <laughs> <laughs> they should. They should have. They should have been like. It gets nah, me we're just, very we're just worried. It. <laughs> it gets me very worried that they're releasing Echo all at once because apparently they've had some some problems with it. So yeah. like, if they didn't do that to this, but they're doing that yeah. to another show, wow, that's got to be real bad. <laughs> I maybe my hope is that maybe this show that their values are wrong. And maybe they're dropping Echoes all at once is because it's more of a smaller scale self-contained series that could be good. Hopefully. Uh, I, I think the reason they couldn't can this is because this is too expensive. They have too many big names in it. And they have to get this ready for before the Marvels because I imagine the Marvels will begin with that Cree scroll uh, peace treaty that they yeah, mentioned. Can we talk about how stupid that is? Like, what? <laughs> the Cree are well, now willing to talk. After completely destroying your home planet, now the Cree are willing to have peace talks. Well, I assume, like, maybe I'm giving them too much credit. Maybe I assume that accusers have finally broke off from the Cree. No, I think so, too. But I also yeah. I also just don't like the deus ex machina nature of how it was introduced to the plot. Like, okay, yeah. like, we can't find another planet for them. Oh, by the way, the Cree are willing to negotiate with them now. Yeah. Yeah, this show is <laughs> incredibly dumb. Like, it is really The writing bad. is offensively bad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and Sam L. Sam Jackson didn't save it. Oh, oh, I will say one positive thing. One thing I really liked, one character I really liked whenever she's on screen is Sonya. Sonya, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sonya was badass. She's great. Like so, as much as I hate where they left Amelia Clark's character Gaia, if she's working under Sonya, then okay, sure. Like I, I like. <laughs> I like the idea of Sonya starting like something like Excalibur, like British version of the Avengers. Oh right, yeah, yeah, that'd um, be fun. But uh, Amelia Clark's characters can't be in it. <laughs> no. If they bring her back, I hope they bring her back just to kill her or to completely yes. depower her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, uh, if they bring her back, it should be like at the beginning of Kang Dynasty, just to just to wharf her, just to show us how awesome Kang is by having <laughs> him kill her, because. That's a that's a narrative cul-de-sac, my man. That's there is no coming back from that. There's nothing good about that character. Like you gotta and, say, like the 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 super scroll process is completely unstable or something, and it has a really bad side effect, and she, and she loses her powers. That's the only way out I can see without just out and out killing her. And I like Amelia Clark, and I even like the character of Gaia. So like that's what I want them to do. I don't want them to kill her. 
The one interesting angle I can see coming is making her confront Photon. Because yeah. Monica Rambo and Gaia did knew each other when they were kids. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So having her, having Photon as um, the the legacy of the Marvels, and having her as become, becoming the legacy of the Scrolls, and having them confront each other could be interesting. But they still have to nerf her because there's no way Photon can beat this. <laughs> <laughs> and honestly, just having any reminder of the show going forward is going to be tough to swallow like oh yeah, yeah that show shit yeah <laughs> yeah it's it's rava is going to be going to be in the marvels i have a feeling the way the way she said like you know her line is like okay i'll come with you just for this peace treaty but then that's it my work on earth is a lot more important i think that line is just there to show that to put the happy ending in this show but to explain why she won't actually be in the marvels <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's gonna go live on that um, that celestial that's living in the middle of the ocean and nobody talks about. No, I have yeah. a feeling that's. I have a feeling when the new Avengers or the young Avengers, yeah, are yeah, they'll formed, probably they'll probably live there. there. Yeah, 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 we talked about that. I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, because um, in the skyline of the Marvel's trailer, the Avengers Tower is not there anymore. Oh, they actually like you actually see where it would be, and it's not there because uh, they keep like, teasing it. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So either they forgot. Which they have <laughs> in the past. <laughs> I still, I still think it's the Baxter Building. Just yeah, yeah, it's going to become Baxter the Baxter Building. building. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that that make the most sense. Um, maybe they just save it for a big reveal when Fantastic Four finally come out. That right, yeah, going to do the Baxter Building. I they should have just waited it. for Fantastic Four to do the Super Scroll. Just have yeah, some fucking patience. You own everything. Um. <laughs> 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 uh, okay. Look, let's let's get over it. Let's move on. Let's move. Yeah, on. if we keep talking about it, I'm just going to spill more bile because I have a lot more yeah. issues, and I don't. We don't need to make this like an hour long of me complaining about a Marvel show. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's talk Barbie, for which I have the opposite of a complaint. I really love Barbie, um, but I have a massive rant about how certain portions of the fucking internet. Okay. Before yeah. before you really get into it, I just yes. want to. I haven't seen it. So yeah. my take on it, just judging by everybody's reaction, yeah. is that this movie is, it's kind of like a satire. It's kind of like a role reversal. It's its like uh, a white, if you ever saw that really terrible 90s movie, White Man's Burden, with like John Travolta Jesus. and Harry Belafonte, <laughs> it's kind of trying to do that, but in a, in a much more clever and a much more fun way, uh, where like you're seeing gender roles completely reverse. You're, you're seeing how it would be to for men to be treated like Barbies, basically, and Barbies to be treated. I, I don't know. I don't know exactly. So I'm going to let you go. But that's, okay. that's kind of my th- feeling on it, having not seen it. Okay. Well, uh, it's good because um, now, because we can talk about how you, not having seen it, how, like, what your take that but this Barbie movie is. Because all I hear is the toxic reaction. To yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good. Like, that's actually quite... Um, important to this discussion and rant because yeah, like what the internet is acting this movie is is not what the movie this movie is at all. <laughs> you know, okay, good. It's, uh, it, it's not even a role reversal. Like, yes, the Barbie world learn is a matriarchy, uh, but like people are focusing on how stupid the cans are. 
both the Kens and the Barbies are stupid. They're supposed to be dolls. That's the point. They're funny. <laughs> and like even the president, like the Barbies, Dr. Barbies, they're not, it's not supposed to be that they're smarter than the Kens. But the, also maybe they are smarter than the Kens because the Kens are accessories, right? But uh, even the Barbies itself, they like, yeah, they're smart in the way that like, like corporate mandate is smart. Like, <laughs> they're smart in a way that like a, in, in, like a, a tagline at the behind a toy box says something is a doctor, you know. Right, <laughs> right. I get it's you. Not, they're just fulfilling a role. Um, but no, like this movie is about yeah, it is about the patriarchy, and I understand why right wing douchebags like Crowd as a Ben Shapiro's would hate it. <laughs> uh, like, like, they, like, yeah, of course they were never gonna like it, you know. <laughs> right, right. Like, why would we even pretend that they were ever gonna like it? Uh, but. What it isn't is anti-men. It isn't. It is actually, yeah, it is about the patriarchy and it is a little bit about the takedown of the patriarchy. And, but, like, the climax is actually, like, yes, it's really rough for women, the gender stereotypes and, like, just existing. Existence is rough for women. That's fine. Like, that's the central theme of it. But there's also another central theme which doesn't contradict the first central theme, which is patriarchy also hurt men. Ken's storyline is about that. Right, but, okay. Fair enough. But here, but here, here's the thing, right? This story's treatment of, like, incel behavior and, like, how <laughs> how incel men kind of get corrupted by... Um, the patriarchy, the, the system, or people who are peddling and selling the patriarchy, people like Crowder, people like Critical Drinker, people like fucking <laughs> Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, how those kind of fucking things influence sad, lonely men um, uh, is hurting the sad, lonely men. And it, it's, this movie gives those sad, lonely men a lot more benefit of the doubt than I've ever seen. Okay. Like, Way more than they deserve. So let me sum it up for you. Ken um, arc in this is Ken is made for Barbie. Like his whole existence is to be Barbie's boyfriend. But the the two Ken and Barbie that are paired up in this movie is um, Margot Robbie's Barbie and Ryan Gosling's Ken. There's multiple Kens and multiple Barbies. Everybody already knows that from the uh, from the um, trailers. Um, but Margot Robbie's Barbie doesn't really much care for this Ken. Like, she accepts that he's her boyfriend because that's how it is. But he doesn't have actual affections for it, her, him. But he doesn't... He, he, she, she take him for granted. Right. Um, and this Ken, sole existence is being Barbie's boyfriend. And he's not feeling fulfilled because he's not getting the affection he needs from the Barbie. Right? Um, in this... In the context of this world that makes sense and that this can is uh, understandable and we pity him for his uh, plight. But that's incel behavior. Like existence for <laughs> existence to find a woman, uh, just to find a, a girlfriend, just to find a partner. Like And putting all your thoughts and energies and all your anger uh, and raging at the world behind not being able to find... Uh, the partner you want that's just incel behavior but yeah like this this movie shows that like oh yeah like uh, can can go to the real world and can get 
can find out about the patriarchy. And he completely <laughs> immediately misunderstand it. But he, he just think like, oh, this is a world where people just respect me just because I'm a man. <laughs> and he bring that back to Bobby Land and he switch Bobby Land on his head to try to put Ken's in charge. That's Ken's uh, storyline. But everything is... Everything is treated as a joke, and this cans get a lot more benefit of the doubt. These cans don't get uh, portrayed as monsters uh, who are like out to actually destroy and subjugate women. They they get portrayed as sad men who are sick of just being accessories, and now they like now like they learn about the patriarchy and in their misunderstanding of it, they want to thwart the system where they in charge, you know. Uh, but everything is played off as a joke, and it's actually quite heartwarming. And the at the conclusion of it, they don't they they all go back to like they their their lot is improved. They learn a lesson. Bobby Land is better for it. It's not a complete matriarchy anymore. And the cans find a way to find purpose that isn't just for Bobby. And like the the pivotal line at the end of the movie is maybe it shouldn't be it's it's Bobby and Ken. Maybe it should be it's Bobby and it's Ken. <laughs> right. And then he he wear this hilarious pink tie-dye shirt called I'm Ken Nuff. <laughs> 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 like <laughs> like it's a really like if feminists um uh criticize this movie as a milk toast takedown of the patriarchy, I would be far more behind that than people <laughs> call it anti-man. Because like they completely let them off the hook. They completely let them off the hook. If I were President Barbie, that pink um White House will be red with canned bloods, okay? Because <laughs> you do not let the fail coup remains after you regain control. <laughs> do you understand me? See, this is uh this is part of those political differences we have that we talk about. <laughs> but you got what I mean though. It is a I fail do, coup. Totally. Those goos <laughs> but, No, I like, like the way you describe it, it makes it sound like the Kens are more innocent. Like yeah, they do a bad thing, but they yes. do it because they don't know any better. Because they're fucking dolls. <laughs> yes. Yeah, the whole point is they're fucking dolls. The Barbies are also stupid in their own way. Right. Um, like, the, the show completely shows that. Like, even the real-world humans are kind of stupid. Will Ferrell is the head of Mattel. <laughs> <laughs> How can you take any of this seriously? Yes. <laughs> and the ending is, like, the ending is... Like definitely let all of them put off the hook, including the thingy of Mattel. And there are people out there who are like criticizing this, like, oh, like they, they, um, uh, th- this movie pretend that um, companies like Mattel would would help criticism. No, the ending shows that like he's still lying, he's still paying lip service because at the end of the thing, the the main character from the real world pitch like. Just Barbie to her, just ordinary Barbie. The Barbie that doesn't have to be anybody. A Barbie that can exist like a normal woman would in the world. And then, um, and Will Ferrell's kind like, like, that's a stupid idea. Until the <laughs> money guy is like, sir, it will make money. And he's like, all right, excellent. Let's do this. Let's do ordinary Barbie. <laughs> so like, even by the conclusion, they're not saying like, this movie doesn't end with, like, it's kind of paradoxical. It's not hopeful. And it's not saying like crush the patriarchy. It's kind of being like, it's kind of like, it's kind of suck. Everything suck for women <laughs> and also for men. Like 
let's let's just let's just be okay. Also, here's a dance number, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and we're gonna end on a gynecology joke, and we're out. <laughs> <laughs> so to take this movie and be like treating it like it's a manifesto against men, where it's like it's actually very clearly doesn't make a statement at the end being like, hey, like, patriarchy sucks for both men and women, okay? Like, obviously it sucks for women. Like, we already know that. But also, like, yeah, like, <laughs> be the be the nice cans. Not, not, let's, let's not do crazy things. And then it just ends, okay? <laughs> and I'll say another thing. Like, the conclusion of that is, the reason I'm saying it's kind to incel is it doesn't even say, like, oh, don't center your entire life around having a girlfriend, having a partner. Uh, because, yes, can learn that lesson, can learns that he has to find his own identity. But at the end of that big reveal, all the other cans, like, they choose what they're going to be about, like, what other interests they have, but other than just being Barbie's accessory. And right. one of the cans straight up said, I just, I just really want my nice Barbie. And one of the Barbies <laughs> like, here I am. Yeah, I am. And they hugs, and that's the conclusion. So, like, even in the ending, they're like, hey, it's okay. It's okay for you to be, like, center your life around having a nice relationship, as long as the other, as long as your Barbie consent to it. Right, as long as it's not toxic. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The main problem was Margot Robbie's Barbie does not care for this camp, not in that romantic way. (laughs) Right. So, like, the conclusion is good. It's it's actually a good movie for kids, you know? It's a good movie to just say, like, even for boys, it's a good movie. It's it's really just there to say, like, don't center your uh, identity behind toxic things like chasing uh, a great relationship, chasing the dream girl, um, uh, the affection you think you need in your head. Just be enough in yourself. And also, so, of course, God. So what I'm hearing from you is that the internet got something wrong and mm. outrage culture has completely twisted a fairly innocent movie and turned yeah. it into something that it's definitely not. I'm I'm shocked. Yes. I'm utterly shocked. Yeah. <laughs> the, the the strong theme like its treatment of um uh, incel is milters. The strong thing the movie does nail home is it's hard to be a woman in today's world. I don't see why and, that would be controversial. Like it shouldn't be fucking controversial. <laughs> like and and people mocking women who are like really into this movie. Hey guys, there's no movies like this for them. Like even look at this. We can watch Marvel movies. We can watch DC movie. We can watch Transformers. We can watch fucking GI Joes and recognize in it uh, building blocks of our childhood our childhood memory, our nostalgia. Like, we recognize a fucking vehicles from G.I. Joe. We recognize Starscream and um, Soundwave. We recognize Captain America in the classic costume. We recognize <laughs> Vision in the classic costume. We love the black Superman costume, right? Like, things that are building blocks of our childhood, we see it in the entertainment that make for us. We, can re- we get to relive our childhood as men all the time. What is that for women? Name a single thing that exists that like that for women until now in this Bible movie. Like, yes, well, the they, Bible they, movie they t- tried to make a movie out of Gem of the Holograms, but it was terrible. <laughs> right. Like, even when occasionally they get something from their childhood, it's it's always a very, very obvious cat flat, cat grab, cash grab, and super low budget. And come on, Gem and the Hologram was never 
G.I. Joe. No, of course not. You know? No, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. they didn't... Like, even, yeah. even the property. Because, yeah, because the the woman... They're uh, not going to put a bunch of money behind, like, a strawberry shortcake movie. Or, or, or Polly Pocket. Polly oh, yeah, Pocket or yeah. anything like that. Even, like, Care yes. Bears. You know, shit like that. You know, things yeah. that... Yeah, yeah. Girls mostly grew up on. Even though I liked yes. the Care Bears as a kid, because why not? <laughs> yes. And it's also endemic of people uh, of women who are our age now. When they were young, they weren't really catered to like we were catered to. No, not at all. Not even close. Yeah. 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 So I get that. But what I'm saying is, yes, when they watch this and they get to see the dream house, they get to see the the little pink car. They get to see all the accessories that Barbies can buy uh, in Barbie land. Um, If they when they enjoying that, why would you make fun of that? We get yeah, to, we get we, we do get that to all do the time. That a thousand yeah. times. We get to do that a thousand times. We're junkies we on that nostalgia hit, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like why be why be like this? <laughs> you can be many flavors, why choose to be salty? <laughs> and also internet's if got a, internet, man. <laughs> and if a movie says um, it is tough to be a woman and you your immediate reaction is it's not my fault, then you have a guilty conscience. <laughs> <laughs> maybe think about why you think they are saying is your fault. <laughs> <laughs> At no point was it about you, dude. <laughs> that is the end of my rant. No, good rant. And because yeah, I, I have another 20 minute in me and I do not have another 20 minute to recall. <laughs> no, exactly. Like, like with secret invasion, we got to stop before it gets any, yes. out of hand. <laughs> yes. Go ahead and watch this movie. It's really good. Like take your kids. I, I probably it's, will. it's very like, fun. I, my son goes back to I school mean, I, soon, so hopefully I'll be able to make the movies. Um, I know you're saying globally, yeah. but me personally, like I am yeah. interested in seeing it. It looks fun. It looks silly. Yes. And the way you describe it makes it sound better than the crazy toxic internet vomit that I've heard. It's also very funny. And even when they're criticizing patriarchy, they do it in a funny way. Like there's a there's um uh, uh, there's a scene where Ken go around asking about the patriarchy, and he's asking a CEO at a, a firm and and he's like, oh, man, like, sucks, because it sounds like you guys can't do patriarchy anymore. And the CEO <laughs> leaning and be like, oh, we still do it. We just do it a lot better. <laughs> 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 and I'm like, okay, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, okay, like, we're going to end it here. And look, I welcome all your hate mail at the streaming outlook.com. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> uh, there's a reason I put it at the end of the thing. Though. <laughs> um, so until next time, this has been the streaming heap, and I've been Lynn. And I've been Eric, and respect and enjoy the peace. All right, goodbye. Goodbye. dramatic moment he thought donald was he thought our goofy was dead okay it was a very touching moment (laughs) the obelisk must flow (laughs) would you still love bell rios if he was a giant space water (laughs) because yeah it's telling me i'm unstable now (laughs) okay